Hello there, and thank you so much for checking into this Friday's episode of The Joshua Files. I'm Debbie Cheney, and your partner as we open up the drawer today. Our topic is a trending one, the Bible. Trending, dot, 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 the Bible. It is a packed episode, I'm telling you, three segments, jam-packed, full of information that everybody will find useful, and we hope to move the needle on everyone's tank. So in our first segment, we'll be asking you to identify with one of three different groups. The state of the Bible in 2021. That's a report that has come out. It comes out every year. So the state of the Bible in 2021, and then we'll ask you to identify where do you see yourself in these three categories. That's segment number one. Oh, it's a good one. It's a good one. Honestly, it really is. Segment number two. Then we go into the uniqueness of the Bible. The Bible is not just another good book. The uniqueness of the Bible. And then segment number three, why the Bible is relevant for today. And we're going to include some tips for reading and studying it. So this is huge today. It is huge. I'm telling you, it's packed. Lots of great data. I already said that, but I'm kind of passionate about this one. And um, trending, trending, trending the Bible. So let's not waste any more time and dive right in. In 2021, 95 million Americans are experiencing the Bible. And some of them are doing it for the very first time. In 2021. In 2021, Bible users increased. That was kind of surprising to me. I didn't know that there was an increase. Because past numbers tell us that over half of Americans reached for their Bibles occasionally. Now, that was kind of a good number, I thought, half of Americans reaching for their Bibles occasionally. But in 2014, the highest percentage was in 2014, and that was at 53%. 53% of Americans actually reaching for their Bible um, once occasionally. Occasionally. The lowest point was in 2019, and there were only 40%, excuse me, 48% of Americans that reached for their Bible in 2019. That was the low watermark. Now, we say that Bible users have increased not just because of those numbers, but because there's a, a change in the number of those who have never used the Bible. They just ne- they admit, I've, I've never used it, never picked it up, never turned to it, don't own one. In 2019, the number of those who never used the Bible was 31%. And yet that number dropped from 35% to 31 So in, in January of 2021, not of 2019, but just this last January, those who never used the Bible was at 29%. So that number is dropping In other words, people are using the Bible more because the number of those who have never used it is diminishing the number. You see, every year since 1812, yeah, that long ago, 1812, a report has been generated and it's been called the State of the Bible. Of course, it's done by the American Bible Society 
and it's been done for uh, you know all those years recently it's been done and conducted the study the research has been done with the Barna Research Institute as well so we have the American Bible Society and the Barna research group now that is creating a report in which their job is to study what's going on with the Bible in the world they want to know is it being read if it's not why isn't it what people what don't like people like who's not reading it who is reading it why aren't they reading it what topics do they turn to it for so this report has been going on since 1812 and um, I got my hands on the 2021 version that was recently published it's 128 pages and yep I downloaded it and yep I digested it so in this first segment I'm going to share some thoughts from that particular report why because I have thought for gosh many many months through the pandemic I thought I wonder what's happening in people's lives in regards to their relationship to the Bible and so I just felt like this report kind of fell into my lap the way my path took me to find it and I went okay good it's already done so in this particular report in the report and the reason we're sharing it is because you're gonna fall into this report someplace you are I am I fall into it someplace we all fall into it someplace and I'd like for you to identify in this first segment where it is that you find yourself because there's stats in this report there's charts in this report there's all kinds of insight in this report and in this report they use some data-driven labels and th these are the three labels that I want to refer to in this first segment the first label is Bible user a Bible user the second label is movable middle people in the movable middle and then the third label is Bible disengaged so pretty much this whole report at least the last several years has used these three lab labels and everyone has kind of fallen into either Bible user movable middle or Bible disengaged and what they're discovering is that those who were once disengaged literally categorize themselves I am disengaged I don't care or I'm upset or I don't read it I don't think about it what they're discovering in these reports the last couple of years is the disengaged are moving towards the middle the movable middle in fact it used to be that a quarter of the population a quarter of the population was in the movable middle in other words yeah they were definitely not users and they weren't disengaged they were in the middle but now that movable middle is at one-third of the population that means there's more in the middle there's more that are either seeking to move towards usage or away from disengagement so the first question to ask you my friend is where would you place yourself Bible user movable middle Bible disengaged because I hope that by the end of this segment maybe but the but this podcast today for sure I hope to move the needle for everyone no matter which category you find yourself in I hope to move the needle for you so let's take a look just for a few minutes in this segment at each of these three categories let's start with the Bible user the Bible user 
According to the study, again, the Bible user is an individual, so it's a person who either reads or listens to or prays with the Bible on their own. You pray or you read the Bible um, or you listen to the Bible on your own at least three to four times a year. A year, not a week. So a Bible user, according to this survey, according to this report, would be someone who three or four times a year, you read the Bible or you listen to the Bible or you pray with the Bible. It's not a church. You don't go to church to do it. It's outside of church. It's at home. It's all on your own. That's a Bible user by definition for this particular uh, survey. Okay? So... So a Bible user technically for this survey would be someone who uses the Bible at least once quarterly. Okay? At least once quarterly. Um, Interesting things what they discovered about these Bible users is they're not just Christians who are in this category. Actually, 37% of the Bible users are from other religions. And from other religions, they search and they find something out from the Bible three or four times a year interesting. Also in this Bible user category, the highest stats are for those that are boomers like myself or elders who would be older than me. And 31% of Bible users are older, um, older Bible users. Only 14% are Gen Zers. Um, the Bible user group is ethnically diverse. <coughs> Excuse me. So there's going to be 69% will be black, um, 32% will be Hispanic, and 46% will be white. Okay? Um, another thing about this Bible user group category, heading, title, is um, what? how do they prefer to read the Bible? Okay? I'm a boomer, and I will admit that I, I really like having my Bible with pages that I can write on and turn and flip and make notes Um, and read notes. And interestingly enough, the elders, that group that I'm in, 84 of us, prefer a print Bible. But interestingly too, is you Xers out there, if you're a Gen Xer, 72% of you prefer a print Bible. If you're a millennial, 47% of you guys prefer a print Bible. And when we get down to the Zers, then the Zers are the ones, you guys are the ones, you say 44% of you say, nah, forget the print. I don't necessarily need the print. I need a digital. I need a digital version. And so there's apps and there's visuals and there's all kinds of things available now. But overriding, it seems that print seems to be number one for the Bible users. This is the category Bible users. Now the reason that Bible users use the Bible, they say, is number one is to get closer to God. Number two is for comfort. Number three is for wisdom, seeking wisdom. Number four, they uh, admit, they say, because I'm supposed to, because I got to, I have to. Um, And then just the fifth one, just to round it up, is because it teaches me how to treat others. So Bible users' reasons. And then frustrations that Bible users um, find themselves with as far as it comes to their Bible relationship. Um, Most of them say, number one, they don't know where to start. Even Bible users, if they're reading the Bible three or four times a year, they say, I don't know where to start. Number one. Number two, say, I can't find it. I don't understand how the Bible's organized. I can't find things. I don't know my way around. And then number three, 
I just don't understand. And so those would be frustrations, reasons, and some statistics about Bible user and who the Bible user is. But 50% of American adults are considered Bible users three or four times a year. They refer to their Bible. Now, there's a second category. Perhaps you belong in the second category. They're called the movable middle. The movable middle. <laughs> Interesting title, right? Um, and, and the folks in this category are, are um, representative of many different religions, other religions. They're looking um, towards the Bible less frequently as the Bible users. They're reading the Bible less frequently as the Bible um, users. Um, they don't necessarily have any life-changing experiences from the Bible. 66% um, of the movable middle folks find meaning for their lives in the Bible. 22% of them find comfort. 30% of them are, are neutral or very friendly towards the scriptures. They don't have any negative feelings toward the Bible. They don't have any positive feeling. They're just neutral. They're accepting. They're friendly towards the scriptures. Um, the, the movable middle is just what it sounds like. They're not disengaged from the Bible totally, um, but they're not users either. They're just kind of in the middle, neutral. And yet they do find some meaning in the Bible. Movable middle. And then the third category that perhaps you might belong to would be the Bible disengaged. The Bible disengaged. Um, both men and women in this category have been declining as far as the numbers. Actually, 39% of men have been declining in disengagement and 37% of women have been declining in disengagement. But Bible disengaged is just that. Um, they just don't turn to the Bible. They don't think about the Bible. Um, they don't put any weight on the Bible. Um, in fact, they feel the most weight of obligation when they do read the Bible. They read the Bible and they feel just kind of this heavy weight on them when they do read it. 20% um, uh, when they do read it, the only reason they do read it is out of duty. It's like, I got it. It's Christmas and we got to say this portion or whatever. Um, in this disengaged group, most of them, well, that's not true. 40% are single and 43% are Gen Zers. And in this disengaged group, it's just that they don't feel excited about the Bible. They don't know where to start. They're just like, okay, overwhelmed as I hear them say, I'm so over it. I'm just so over it. And that would be the disengaged. Well, after reading these whole reports and thinking about the people surrounding me and looking out across my, my society, there's a couple of conclusions I've reached, and as does the, um, the, uh, the Bible survey here. Number one, last year kind of did a number on us all. COVID did a number on all of us, didn't it? Um, and it actually drove many people to search. And for the first time, people maybe are turning to the Bible and seeing what there is 
to offer them in the way of comfort or strength or wisdom. And for the first time, some disengaged are moving towards the middle or some of the middle are moving towards users. Um, and COVID drove, I think, a lot of us closer to the Bible. Number two conclusion for me is um, absolutely, positively, the Bible is difficult to navigate and understand. And so therefore, help is needed. I need help. You need help. We all need help. Um, because it's, it's, it's not an easy book. And there are actual barriers and powers and forces trying to keep us, which is another whole podcast that maybe we'll talk about someday. But it is difficult to navigate and understand. So if you've ever scratched your head or not understood, believe me, I join your ranks. It's, it's true of all of us and we need help. And number three conclusion perhaps is that this youngest generation, you Zers out there and even, you know, the younger, um, it's, it's, it's electronic devices being used to explore the Bible. Um, and we need to get used to that. We need to understand that and realize that and allow for that and make, make um, apps and tools that will allow the young generation to use their electronic devices to explore like they want to do. So would you think about it right now for a moment? Think about your Bible. One in six adults read the Bible most days of the week. That's kind of crazy if you think about it. Where's your Bible? Do you have an app? You read it? 181 million open a Bible occasionally in the past year. So how about you? I bet you did. I bet you opened up your Bible occasionally at least. <coughs> well, how'd you do? How would you rate yourself? What would you say? Engaged? Disengaged? Interested? Because the reality is people will listen as long as they're engaged, right? As long as someone's engaged, they're going to listen. But um, research tells us that disengaged people process information differently. I, I know as a teacher, I realized this. The minute I saw a kid disengage, it's like, oh gosh, he's already gone down the rabbit hole and I don't know how I'm going to be able to get him back. Because immediately goes, oh, Mrs. Cheney's boring or Mrs. Cheney this or Mrs. Cheney that. Because what happens is when someone disengages, um, then judgments begin. It's, it's, it's true. It is absolutely true. And errors pop up and she said it wrong. And then in, in relationship to the Bible, then we even begin thinking irreverent thoughts and we place judgments on God. And, you know, so it doesn't matter whether we're disengaging physically or emotionally, disengagement is going to cause us to process things differently. But engagement is meant to challenge us when we're engaged um, then, then we're going to be challenged to learn and to grow. That's what engagement is. We're, we're in it for the growth and we're in it to learn. Engagement is supposed to be tied with a purpose too. So I'm engaged for a reason. I'm, I've put myself out there and invested myself for a reason, for a purpose. And then engagement too involves not just our emotions and the emotional connections that we make, but engagement also stimulates us mentally. That's what engagement is meant to do. The truth is, if you're really interested, if you're really hungry, if you're really 
honestly are those things, then that's going to drive you to be an honest seeker, don't you think? Generally, isn't that the truth that the seeker or the interested one is really going to try and, and listen and, and be open? Are you interested in growing, being challenged? Are you seeking purpose? Are you looking for mental stimulation? Are you looking for engagement, purpose in your life? Well, let's see if we can't move the needle. Let's see if we can't move the needle a little. You see, it's usually the one that's not interested. The reason they're not interested is because oftentimes there's been an offense or a hurt caused by a user or even a misuse of the Bible. Sometimes those who choose to disengage are doing so because they're trying to defend themselves against a hurt they had. And the hurt tend to shut out and shut off the Bible, don't want to hear any solutions because really what's needed is healing. Someone hurt me or someone misused the word on me or well, let's face it, that's often the case. And I, I would like to see even the needle moved on that individual as well. Are you a user? A Bible user? Well, there's so much more. So stay with me, okay? Because we want to move the needle for you as well. Are you in the movable middle? Well, we, there's lots of room to move there. Let's not become stagnant. Yeah? What do you say? What do you say? Where are you at? And are you ready to move deeper? Yay! The Bible. It's trending. That's our topic for today. In this segment, I want you to understand, my friend, that the Bible is unique. It is not just another good book. It is unique. It is unique. In fact, the Bible should be on the top shelf all by itself. It is so unique. There's no book in the world like it. The Bible is so unique. And I want to share with you some thoughts about how unique it is in this segment. <clears throat> but first, let me give credit to Josh McDowell. Years ago, I read his book. Years ago, I developed a course along with another gentleman I was working with um, about evidence that demands a verdict. And so this material I'm going to share with you today has been drilled into my brain, into my psyche, and I want to plant seeds in yours that the Bible is unique. This book that people are using and moving from and learning to become a part of, it is unique. It is not just another good book. And let me, let me share you some very specific ways how it's unique. Number one, it's different from all others in these ways, okay? Number one, it's unique in its continuity. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, this particular book, the Bible, was written over a 1,500-year period. From beginning to end, 15-year period. No, 1,500-year period. 
not 15 year, my friend. It took 1500 years from Genesis to the end of Revelation, the span of 1500 years. It was written by over, you know, 40 different authors. And these are authors from all walks of life. So the Bible is unique in its continuity because of its span, because of its authorship. It was written in different places. It was written in the wilderness and dungeons while traveling on hillsides. That makes it unique in different places. It's unique in its times that it was written. It's unique in the different moods that it was written in. It's unique because it was written on three different continents. It was written in three different languages. There's no other book in, in continuity alone that can make those statements. The Bible is unique. In addition, the Bible was written in a variety of literary styles. There's poetry in it, and there's history, and there's even some satire, prophecy. The Bible is unique in that it addresses controversial subjects. Oh, man. I don't even know where to begin. You, you name the controversial subject, you'll find it in the Bible. Rape, incest, murder, suicide, it's in the Bible. Unique, unique, unique. And unique, the Bible is unique in that it presents one single story. So with all of those differences, with all of those different authors and time spans and themes and, and controversial subjects and literary styles, it still has one single story. That's amazing. And then finally, it's unique in its continuity because the whole time the thing being described the leading character is about god coming to earth in the form of jesus so it's unique for those reasons because of its continuity but that's not all that's not the only reason it's unique my friend its continuity is mind-blowing but it's also unique because of its circulation, the way it's circulated, meaning there are billions of copies of the Bible in circulation or have been in circulation. It's been in circulated, circulated, excuse me, more than any other book in history. There's no book that even compares with the circulation of the Bible. That's unique, my friend, that's unique. It doesn't prove that it's the Word of God. I'm not saying that, but it does prove that the Bible is unique. The Bible is unique, too, in its translations, in its translations. Let's face it, most books, gosh, they're not even translated into one language besides the one they were written in. Maybe a book would be translated into, excuse me, two or three languages. But the Bible, according to the United Bible Society, says that the Bible or portions of it have been translated into more than 2,200 languages. Oh my goodness. That represents 90% of the world's population having a Bible. My friend, that's not just a good book. That's unique. That's mind-boggling. 
unique in its translation. I'm not done. The Bible is also unique in its survival. Gosh, it was first written. I remember teaching this to middle schoolers. It was first written on on um, parchment or on on lambskin, and it was copied and recopied and copied and recopied. And by the time we get all those copies done, do you know what, dear? Compared with any other ancient writings in the Bible, the any other ancient writings, the Bible has more manuscript evidence than any other classic piece of literature. That always blew my mind and that to me was a total winning statement in any argument when I had to fight with someone. There are more manuscript evidence for the Bible than there are even for Homer's Iliad. I won't get into all the details because tell me I could. I could go toe-to-toe with you on the details of the manuscript evidence of the Bible over Homer's Iliad, but I won't. I will just suffice it to say the Bible is unique. It is unique in its translations. It is unique in its survival. It is also unique in its persecutions. Gosh, let's face it. So many people have tried to burn the Bible, ban the Bible, outlaw the Bible, right? Can't be done. Hasn't been done. You can try and persecute it, okay? I want to read a quote here. He says, a thousand times over, The death knell of the Bible has been sounded, the funeral procession formed, the inscription cut on the tombstone, and committal read. But somehow, the corpse never stays put. (laughs) In other words, the Bible, you can't kill it. You can't kill it. You can't criticize it to death. Shoot, infidels for 1,800 years have been trying to overthrow this book. Can't be done. The Bible is unique. The Bible is unique in its teachings. Do you know there's prophecy in the Bible? They talk about the coming Messiah. They talk about how he's going to be born. Those prophecies to a T have been fulfilled. There's history in the Bible. It's the oldest written, the Old Testament is the oldest written history of of Israel. And it's accurate. Archaeologists have supported it. The character of the Bible is unique. The characters in the Bible are unique. I mean, the Bible doesn't hold back. If a bad guy was a bad guy, boy, the writers tell us he was, he was the worst. It says he was the worst of all the kings. Or if somebody did something really bad, it doesn't try and cover it up. It says, oh yeah, and he committed adultery and killed the husband, and then his son was taken for him, from him as a uh, punishment. The Bible's characters are straight up flawed and clearly spoken of. There's nothing hidden. The Bible is unique, my friend. It's worth your time. It's worth your energy. The Bible, though, also has affected other pieces of literature. So much so that, listen to this quote, if the Bible in any considerable city were destroyed, the book would be restored in all its essential parts from the quotations on the shelves of the city public library. There are works covering almost all of the great literary writers 
devoted especially to showing how much the Bible has influenced them. In other words, if the Bible was destroyed, we could go to the library and from all the libraries of the world recreate the Bible based on the books, quoting it in the library. That's influential. That's unique. Of course, the Bible, of course, then, has influenced civilization. Gosh, the Judeo-Christian scriptures, more than any other book, more than any series of books, has influenced civilization, my friend. I'm just, I'm just making the point that this stuff doesn't prove that the Bible is the Word of God. It proves that the Bible is unique. And again, one last quote. If you are an intelligent person, you will read the one book that has drawn more attention than any other. If you are searching for the truth, the Bible certainly qualifies as this one book. My friend, let's move the needle. Let's move towards this unique book. Theodore Roosevelt said, a thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. My friend, the Bible's not just another good book. It's worth your time. Let's move the needle. It's unique. Without a doubt, my friend, the number one influence in my life for my lifetime has been the Bible. Without exaggeration, without hyperbole, the Bible. And that's why we want to talk about it so seriously today and why it is relevant today as much as it was 2,000 years ago or even the Torah that was written thousands of years ago. It is relevant today. It is relevant to you, not just as a unique book, although that it is, but why is it relevant today? And I want to share five points with you that I wrote down. Why is it relevant? And then I want to close with just sharing a couple tips because again, moving the needle is what this is about to me. Moving you from where you were to another place is what this is about to me. So why is the Bible relevant to you today? Number one, <clears throat> I wrote down, it is a navigation system through this life. It is. The Bible is a nav system for you. It is. It will help you negotiate. It will help you navigate. It will help give you direction. It will give you support. It will be your OnStar. It really will. It is capable of doing that for your life. So I am, I'm not exaggerating. You're going, Debbie, I don't know where to start. Well, we're going to talk about that as we close this final segment. But it is a book that can navigate your life. It will give you the direction you need. It really, truly will. But it's way more than that. 
it's way more than just pushing a directional button and you know reading a verse and going okay I got help nowhere to go it's way more than that but it is that and I don't want to dis discount that how important direction and help and support is it will be found for you in the Bible no doubt number two it's so much more because number two it's the words of life and love the Bible are the words of life and love. The Bible is actually your soul's food. It's what feeds your soul. It's not just a book and it's not just unique. In fact, it's inspired by God. It's living and it's active. And all of this might be funny words. You're going, it's just a book with pages. How can it be alive? This is where you need to just step out and start reading it. And I dare you to come back and tell me that I'm wrong. Because you start reading it and you're going to find God's inspiration talking to you, His living voice talking to you. You're going to find it being active in your life because it's going to show you things. It's going to challenge you to do things, to be more. It's going to help you to stop you from doing things it, the Bible are the words of life and love it provides for tools for your happiness it provides for your fulfillment it it provides for life beyond this one because there is life beyond this one and you'll need the Bible to prepare you to live in that one the words of life not just a nav system the words of life inspired by God, living and active. It's a mystery. I don't understand it, but it's true. I am not telling you stories. Number three, it is reliable. The Bible is reliable. It's not a bunch of myths or legends or lies. I talked in the last segment about the manuscript evidence. There are proofs and fulfillments and so much more I could get into to give you evidence for why your Bible is reliable. You can trust it. It stands above all other books, all other ancient sacred books. It's reliable. The historicity of it, it is reliable, my friend. You're not trusting. It's not blind faith. It's like, oh, of course, okay, then I'm going to believe it. Yes, because there are facts, good darn facts, why you can rely on it. <laughs> Number four, it offers you redemption from your selfish ways. <laughs> we all need redemption. We all need hope. We all need to exchange the old self for the new. And the only way we learn how to do that is through the Bible. It's the Bible that offers us that redemption and shows us the steps needed and how to walk in that new life. It's that Bible that gives us the purpose and the meaning. It's the Bible. It's relevant because I need it to be that new person I really want to be. And then number five, why is it relevant for you today? It challenges you to be your best self. It doesn't allow you to sit. We talked in earlier segments about needing the mental stimulation. 
The Bible will mentally stimulate you. It will challenge you. That's why I laugh when people say, oh, you Christians are so weak. I want to say, have you tried living the Christian life? Have you tried living it? Have you tried saying no to yourself? Have you tried walking, following the WWJD? Have you tried it, buddy? If you haven't tried it, you need to keep your trap shut. It's walking the life that is fulfilling and rewarding here on earth and to get you into heaven to live forever. It's I'm going to be my best self, but it is not easy. It is a challenge. And so I need my intellect. I need my emotions. I need my physical strength. And yet, man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man, is it worth it? So those five reasons I would suggest for you to chew on because some of you are aware of them and you know them already. Others of you need to move the dial, step in, step up, and check it out. Give it a try. Trust him. Open the book and trust him. Well, how do you do that, Deb? I've, you know, okay, so where do I start? Well, I want to conclude with talking about some hows. How do I do this? What? Okay, so if the Bible is such a great book, where do I start? What do I do? Because we already heard about how frustrating it can be. That's the truth. Okay. So again, I have five points here on how to proceed with the Bible, and some of them will be very specific. Okay. So number one, read it. Number two, study it. Number three, memorize it. Number four, meditate on it. And number five, get with other Bible users. So let me go back to number one. How do I do this, Deb? Well, how do I read it? Okay. If you've never read the Bible on any regular basis, and by regular I'm talking about more than what was the survey people told you, more than four times a year. By regular, I'm looking at several times a week. In my life, regular is every day. Okay? Um, You know, so if you're going to shoot for four, five, six, seven times a week, let me make a suggestion of a place to start. For years and years, and I still do it, I have read one chapter out of Proverbs every day. Today is the 1st of July, so I would read Proverbs chapter 1, the whole chapter. I might not understand all of it, but I would read it, okay? And I would suggest doing that for as many months as you want. In, in, in um, August, start again. In September, start again. When you read Proverbs, you are getting the Bible wisdom planted in your heart. And sometimes you only read a little bit and go, oh my goodness, what does that mean? And you'll want to study more about what that means. But I'd recommend reading some in Proverbs. If you've never done it, there's such good practical advice in Proverbs. Another idea might be to read in the Gospel of Mark. I like suggesting Mark. Why? The Mark is in the New Testament. It is a fast-paced gospel. A key word in the book of Mark is immediately. Jesus is constantly on the move in the book of Mark. That's why I tend to lead people to read Mark instead of John. John is very theological. It's actually the first chapter is very difficult to understand, in my opinion, of John. That's why Mark is a good choice. Pick your Bible up, turn to Mark chapter 1, and read the chapter. You're going to read about Jesus. 
and read a chapter a day. Or if that's too much, go, okay, I'm only going to read five verses a day. Or I'm going to read for five minutes a day. Or ten minutes a day. I'd recommend starting with ten minutes a day. There are all kinds of Bible plans available. You can get them online. They may have them even in the back of your Bible. Bible plans. It will give you a date and it will tell you what to read. A lot of Bible plans are designed for you to read through the whole Bible in a year. So you might be reading multiple chapters a day. That's a lot to start reading if you've never read. But I want you to move the needle. From wherever you are, I want you to move the needle. I, 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 you, I promise you, you will see a change that you will love. Now, you don't have a Bible, a, a, a paperback Bible, a paper Bible, a print Bible? Use your app. There's tons of apps. Let me give you a couple. Bible Gateway is a great Bible app. The U version is an a, a Bible app. Um, I I have all of these. Um, the Terracarta Bible I use all the time. Those are Bible apps, and you just get the app on your phone, and you can read it right on your phone. Those are Bible reading apps. But how are you going to get into the Bible? I'm going to ask you to start reading it regularly. Read from different translations. Each morning, I read from the NIV and the TPT. NIV is the New International Version and the Passion Translation. Those are my go-tos right now. <clears throat> when I research, I always use the Message, Amplified, ESV. Those are translations, meaning they make it easier to understand. That's all it It's in English, so of course, but, but the translation would be, <clears throat> is it easy to understand? Is it, is it in common language that I can follow? Yes, all of these will be. But use a different translation. Use something that, that you understand. And again, the NIV, the ESV, um, the RSV, those are good ones to understand. TPT, the message is a paraphrase that's very easy to understand. But read it. How do you do the Bible? You've got to read it. You've got to read it. That means having focus. Taking your 10 minutes and focusing. Start with 10 minutes. Just start with 10 minutes. Get as far as you can get in 10 minutes. And then close it and say, Lord, help me to understand. Lord, talk to me today as I go to work. Help it click. And then go to work. And watch him make it click for you. I promise, my friend, I'm not telling you stories. I promise. So reading it is the first place to start. Second point is study it. Reading it and studying it are not the same thing. You can't study it, I don't think, until you read it. <clears throat> studying it is when you spend time in researching it. Maybe you research a, a passage. Maybe you love Psalm 23 and you just want to read more about shepherds sheep and shepherds and what they're supposed to do and or maybe there's a topic maybe you really want to study abortion what does the bible say about abortion or maybe there's a word that you're very interested in when the bible uses the word love what does it really mean and you want to look up the word love or maybe there's a person <clears throat> a character in the bible that you want to look up david or or bathsheba i don't know or or jesus or john or rahab Mary, 
Maybe there's somebody you want to study. Well, then that means you're going to need some tools. So you're going to need the translations we talked about. So you'll, you'll find out where that person is in the Bible or that passage is in the Bible, and you'll read it in a particular translation, and then read it in another translation and see what it says. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, read it in another translation and see what it says. To study, you're going to need um, a concordance. There are online concordances. I have a Strong's concordance on my phone. I also have a big paperback Strong's concordance, and I have a big hardcover Strong's concordance. But you need a concordance. And a concordance is simply a book, like a dictionary, that has the words in it. And you look up a word, say you want to look up rape. Where in the Bible does it talk about rape? And you look up the word rape, and then it will list the Bible verses that use the word rape. And then you can turn to those Bible verses and put together the puzzle of what the Bible says about rape. So studying it is different than reading it. It's spending time. You're also going to need some apps for studying. Okay, so um, again, Strong's, I use Alpha Beta app, which is an Israeli app, and I use the Blue Letter Bible all the time. Um, so those are study tools that I use. Those are apps that I use. You're going to need a notebook to write down. Write down your study. Because if you're studying, you're going to take notes. You've got to remember these things. So whatever your form of writing down is, if you're going to study the Word, you've got to write it down. And this is where I want to challenge those of you that, you know, declare yourself to be Bible users. Are you reading the Word every day? And are you studying the Word every day? And I do mean that. It's important. It's very important. So get the tools that you need. Start somewhere. Remember where we're looking to move the needle. And we're moving the needle from four times a year <laughs> to maybe four times a week. Yeah? You think we could do that? You think we could move from four times a year to four times a week? I think that's easy. I think we could do that. And I, and I think all of us need the challenge. So how do we get into the Bible? Well, we've got to read it. We've got to study it. Study it. And there's tons of um, commentaries and additional books. To be honest, I don't spend a lot of time on commentaries. I spend very little time with commentaries. And let me tell you why. And it's just my bend. God is obligated to bless the Bible, the Word. He is not obligated to bless man's opinion of the Word. So, although I read Matthew Henry's commentary from time to time, I don't put a lot of stock in it. Why? Because God blesses the Word, the Bible, not other man's interpretations of it. So, commentaries are okay and have their place, but don't let those commentaries ever, ever, ever take you away from what the Bible says because it's the Bible that God blesses, not the commentaries. Okay? Number three, and then we're almost done here. So how, how do I get into this Bible thing, Deb? How do I become a user? Well, find time to memorize it. Find a Bible verse. Maybe you have a bad temper and you need to find a Bible verse about being patient or being long-suffering. Take it, write it on a 3 by 5 card, and practice saying it. Practice thinking it. Practice hiding it in your heart. 
I'm telling you, you will find power, my friend, if you practice saying the words out loud. So whatever the Bible verse is, if you practice saying that out loud, not only will it hide itself in your heart and you will memorize it, but there's a power that God associates with speaking his word that will kind of break some chains off of you and you really will see things begin to happen in your life as you begin to say out loud the Bible verses. So memorize it, put it on the refrigerator, put it on the mirror, put it on your driving dashboard, um, put it on your screensaver, memorize the word, memorize it, say it, think it, hide it, okay? Number four, meditate on it. So you've read something that day, as you're driving to work, think about it. As you're jogging, think about it. As you're cooking, think about it. Think about it, mull it over. Mull it over, that's what meditate means. It means mull it over. It's, it's the picture of how the cow chews the grass and then swallows it. It goes in one stomach and then he regurgitates it and then he chews on it some more and then it goes down in the other stomach. And then it comes up and he goes, oh yeah, there's new flavor there. And then he swallows it again. Four stomachs a cow has and it comes up four different times. I'm not kidding, it really is what cows do. And each time it comes up, it has new flavor and has new nutrients that the cow gets out of the grass. That's the way, wow, I'm getting tears in my eyes here. That's the way the Bible is. It's so power packed, it's so flavorful that you can never suck everything out of one Bible verse. You have to meditate on it. The Bible says day and night. And lastly, you want to you get in the Word, you want to become a user of the Word, get with other Bible users. Whether that means going to a Bible-believing church, which I believe it does, I'd like to see you all get in a good Bible-teaching church, not just Bible-believing church. Most churches believe the Bible. I'm not confident that most churches teach the Bible, though. And so my soapbox is is getting drummed on right now, but get yourself into a good Bible teaching church. The Word is our anchor, and a Bible teaching church will anchor us. It will keep us healthy in a group. It will keep us in a family, and it will keep us um, linked together and growing in the same direction. So get with other Bible users. That's how you stay in the Bible. Make sense? Read it. Study it, memorize it, meditate on it, and get with other Bible users. Practice using it. What do they say? Practice makes perfect, right? See, what happens is when we start reading the Word, my friends, is the Holy Spirit begins making connections. And you'll read it and you'll go, oh my gosh, I really feel like that that was just for me. It was like a big old searchlight from heaven is shining right down on those Bible verses. And you're going, oh my goodness, that's for me. Yeah, it is. That's God speaking to you. He's speaking to you. I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing on earth to have God speak to you. And he speaks to you through his word. When you hear people say, God spoke to me, I can tell you God has spoken to me. You know how he does it, my friend? Through his word. Through his word. I'm going to close with two thoughts in particular. I want to aim them at you Bible users out there two challenges 
The Bible is a sword. It is. You know it is. And we're responsible for the ears that we cut off when we use it. We're responsible for the hurt that we cause, the offense that may be taken. So just like we said in the earlier segment, sometimes the Bible has been used and offended people who caused offense. I just want to encourage us to make it right. Let's re-engage everybody that we possibly can. And let's be careful not to disengage people because of our words or our misuse of the word. So that's, that's, a, that's a harsh word, but it's really important because people have been spinning their wheels sometimes for years because of some foolish statement that a Christian made. And lastly, to you Bible users out there, number two, another bold statement. (laughs) Here I go. Bible reading days are over. What do you mean, Debbie? I thought we're supposed to read every day. Yeah, you are. But I'm here to tell you, I believe God has revelation and insight that he's hidden. I believe there are mysteries to discover in his word. And it's time for us to dig deeper and spend more time in his word, going deeper and more often. It's no longer the days of just reading a cute little story out of wherever, wherever. It's time for us to dig deep and find the mysteries. It's time for us to discover the hidden treasures in the word. They are there. They are there. They are there. And us Bible users have got to be digging. No longer just this cute little, I'm going to read for 20 minutes and move on for the rest of my life. No, it's the Bible reading days are over, my friend. It's time to go for revelation and insight and hidden mysteries. God is moving in this day and age, and he's looking for people who know his word to trumpet his word. Okay, my soapbox is done. So there you have it, friends. The word. The most influential power in my life. I pray it be in your life too. Thanks again for listening in. I have so enjoyed sharing with you. Please send me questions, comments, concerns, um, any help you may need on Bible study. I'm glad to help you out. And let's just move the dial. Amen. Let's move the dial and dig into the word. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care.